You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about Shiv Kumar Shamar, Call of the Valley. Uh, in the room I have Rob, hello, Ben, hello, John, yep, and Grady. Hi. Call of the Valley is the 1967 classical album by Shiv Kumar Shamar. It was recorded for the label EMI and produced by the artist. The genre is North Indian classical music. Shiv Kumar started learning to play the santur at the age of 13 and gave his first public performance in Bombay at the age of 17. He's often cited as the musician to popularize the santor and take it from folk to classical instrument. A bit of background on the santor. It's a 72-string Indo-Persian trapezoid-shaped hammer dulcimer or string musical instrument, but it took such a long time to be considered an Indian classical musical instrument due to a fundamental flaw of its structure. Its structure meant that the santor cannot produce the meand, which means taking a leap from one note to a higher one, while slightly touching upon all the notes of the raga, falling between these two notes. The santor is now considered a classical instrument by most due to its popularization by Shamar. In 1967, at the age of 30, he teamed up with flautist Harry Prasad Sharaza and guitarist Bibu Shan Cabra to produce the instrumental concept album Call of the Valley that follows a day in the life of an Indian shepherd from Kashmir. It is one of the most successful Indian albums of all time and gained an international audience, including George Harrison, David Crosby, Paul McCartney, Bob Dylan, and Roger McGinn. All right, what do we think of Call of the Valley? Wait, so let me get this straight. So the, the same tours was not considered a traditional Indian instrument. Classical beca- instrument. Because you couldn't do like a Jerry Lee Lewis-style glissando on it? I believe so. so. I mean, <laughs> breaking it down in, you know, okay. <laughs> layman's terms. And it runs through the notes of that whatever scale that they're or, or rog that they're in, or something. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Yes. Interesting. So yeah, I guess to not be able to fill in, it's not considered classical because it's a more primitive folk because this, instrument. The sitar has those like vibrating sympathetic strings that you tune to whatever mode you're in. That, that just resonate freely when you're playing whatever else. Yeah, um, and so he so. actually made some adjustments on the Sator, his, you know, his one to make it sound a little different than it was before. I mean, it, it's just like taking, I'm trying to, you so know, th- think of... This is basically the equivalent of someone uh, hitting a flip-flop onto a PVC pipe. 
before <laughs> that became, you know, cool. Slightly less crude. Well, I mean, it is a percussive instrument. <laughs> also not considered a traditional Indian classical. Yes. The, the flip-flop the, tube? The flip-flop tube. The, the blue man groups? <laughs> the flip-flopophone. Yeah. It is now, though. What yeah. do we think of Anyway, album? I loved the album. Okay. I absolutely loved it. Um, it's it's intimate. It's very, you know, mystical in, in a lot of ways. Um, I, you know, the, the flute has gotten a bad rap in a lot of music. It was sort of, it was ruined for all of us in the 70s, I believe, by um, some overindulgences. Um, but you take away those those biases and it's, it's a very lovely addition to this. And it's interesting that that was one of the, consider the more Western elements of this, this album, you said, Birch? Yes. Um, I, I didn't know that it was not as common in, in more traditional Indian music. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's a folk instrument. I mean, I'm trying to put it in. No, it's common in Indian classical music. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. It by some, some are still hesitant to do it. But I guess it would kind of be like a mandolin or like a banjo. If you were you put a banjo into like a classical setting, you know, people have you know monocles falling out of their eyes and <laughs> <laughs> you know doing doing a. A classical piece with something like that, where it's been more traditionally considered a folk instrument. Sure. I mean, coming from American folk traditions, you know, hearing Appalachian music with a with a, a dulcimer in it, or it, it seems from from coming from that cultural tradition, it sounds pastoral. Um, so listening to this album and putting it in the context of hearing that it's about uh, a shepherd in Kashmir, you know, going through his day or whatever, it, it's it's sort of like a Peter and the Wolf, like it matches up for me. You know, you've got the, the flute sounds, you've got the dulcimer, the, the tabla and the guitar are kind of interesting to add in there to add, you know, the, the dramatic turns that it needs, but um, I, I liked it. Yesterday I, I did, I don't want to say a complete 180, maybe like a 170 <laughs> on this record. Uh, <laughs> upon initial listens, I, I was not at all into it. Part of that was because I was accidentally listening to the the reissue, which is about twice as long. And it's got three extra tracks, but those three extra tracks are like 35 minutes total. And uh, you know, I, was, I had it on, and I was like, it was kind of just on in the background, and I was trying to do stuff about my day, and it's just like an hour and a half of, from what I could tell, just like massage parlor music, you know? And uh, it's like... The type of something like someone puts on in the background with like their Himalayan salt lamp when they just like want you to relax. But uh, yesterday, I actually got the correct the correct five track version of it and actually sat down with headphones and. It's a little bit tighter, huh? It's a little bit tighter. Yeah, you're a little bit higher, right? I was a little bit higher. <laughs> you know, I was a little bit higher, and it was a little bit shorter. And they and cleaned, I, they and cleaned I, up the sequencing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was in, in the right frame of mind to actually like focus and listen not listen to it, and I found myself really enjoying it. I still think for for my pop damaged Western ear attention span, it was it's probably a, still a little bit long to keep my attention the whole time. Uh, it started to lose me right around track four, like rag, Ragdez. But then when track five started, I was kind of back in again. It started with like an interesting melody and. So, yeah, I don't want to say a full 180, but uh, I kind of get it now, I think. Yeah, I think, I mean, we all kind of, kind of understand it. I mean, I don't know if anybody is real proficient in Indian 
traditional Indian music at this table, but I think the the concept it comes through throughout the playing, you know, of like going having these sort of conceptual mm-hmm. you start your day it sounds like this and it's a little bit lighter and then it gets more into it and it gets more involved and then the night kind of tapers off and there's parts where like cycle the, like the three players the three instruments almost having like a conversation mm-hmm. with each other just kind of like trading little like it's not even like solos it's just like they'll like trade little phrases and i thought that was cool you know yeah that's neat it's okay. definitely nice to put on in the background too, because I was—I mean, I was—I sat down and listened to it, and then I also sat down and listened to it while I was doing work, and it kind of just puts you in a place, just mm-hmm. kind drone, drone, I mean, of drone, drone. You can it. actively listen to it or yeah. have it on in the background. Yeah. Um, and, I, and if I recall correctly, like the tabla player, the drum player, um, when when studying, you need to basically be able to sing all of the different types of, of patterns and beats basically that one would learn as a tabla ist uh, before you even ever play the drum. Whose so, rule is this? This is in just this, this is the training of, of tabla players in India. You you learn to sing the, the rhythmic patterns before you actually play them on the drum and so it I think encourages huh. a much more musical melodic uh, tendency of the drummer and then there's a lot of that that interplay with those with those rhythms from with with all the instruments with uh, Ben's thing uh, with my Western uh, pop-damaged ears. Um, This just reminds me of going to an Indian restaurant, like, midday lunch, AC's broken, it's super busy, buffet's closed, and I'm sweating, (laughs) and then this music's playing, and I'm hungry. So it's a a fully (laughs) academic approach you're taking. It really is. But it really puts you in a place. And that that place is uh, just like... Why is this still happening? <laughs> I'm frustrated with the entire endeavor. The, the um, place is a non-air-conditioned strip mall Indian buffet. Yeah, <laughs> but the buffet shut down, so you're ordering off the dinner menu. Oh, that's the yeah, worst. It is the worst. That's the worst. Uh, but I mean, like musically, it, you know, it's great. I I don't. I'll never revisit this. Like that, I'll never go back and listen to this again. And it's going on the top of my my list. To my rotation. <laughs> just, Windows uh, down, just blasting. It. it, it it's a little bit of a nice breather from uh, a lot of the things that we've been uh, reviewing these uh, 
latter half of the 60s, but it's also, again, it's going to be reflected directly back by some asshole from San Francisco, like, <laughs> on something we have to listen to in about 15 albums, I'm sure. So I'm I, I'm prejudiced to what no. I'm going to have to listen to because of this. So I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, and it, I, I think I'm. I have some of the same opinions that I like where it's going. I like the mood it sets, but some of those like when there's something about Western uh, Eastern music where it, it picks on one note and then it kind of like just keeps picking and, and it does a scale, but it's just like comes back to that note. Yeah, it's and the it's, drone. Yeah, but it's something a little Pedal bit point. different. Different for me than that is just like ding 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 ding. You know, it's like it, it just I know the, wanders the in and out. You're, you're yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, just something. It, it it just makes me think it's not as interesting. I don't know what. I guess I would rather them just play the note, not pick like continue to pick it repeated. Yeah. But it's I understand that's that, part that's of part, part of the style and it's part of the to get in with the the rhythm. It's a rhythm thing. It's cool to have some contemporary, well, relatively contemporary classical music on this list, especially non-Western. You know? Yeah, this is considered, I looked up all the jazz in the book and I was pretty disappointed with uh, <laughs> how few albums, because I there's a lot in the 50s and 60s that just skipped over, and this was considered uh, jazz. Was it? Uh Maybe I mean, that's why well, I like well they kind of put it in the genre, <laughs> I guess. I, I would consider it cla- more classical. Like, I br- something I was reading yesterday described it as like light classical. Yeah, yeah. I could I see that. that. Yeah. Well, it's, well, it's only a trio. I mean, it's a trio too. I mean, the quartet with the tabla player. Um, oh yeah. yeah. But he doesn't uh, get his name on the front. He doesn't for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> he, he couldn't sing well enough. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't been playing those drums. Um, so it's considered classical, and in this book, have we come across no, a classical no, record, or will we ever come across no, another one? They don't so know. they don't have the classical at all. We should have at least covered some book. <laughs> Moondog. Yeah, Moondog should definitely have been in or there. Like uh, John I mean, Cage or Steve Wright. Stuff or, that yeah. that kind of transcends the sort of like rock Heck, classical Copeland? and Philip Glass. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, there's thing. a million, and I think that's probably just another book. Copeland lived till like 1990. Yeah. Well, there's room for Limp Biscuit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of room for stuff we don't want. <laughs> you had to, had to bring that up. Uh, interesting instrumentation, having this folk instrument and the the guitar, because the guitar is also not considered. I mean, yeah, you, that's the west, another western, another western tradition. instrument. So you see all these elements, and I can definitely see people in 1960 putting this on, and it's. A little more accessible it kind of transcends a bit it's hugely popular mm-hmm. i mean one of the most popular indian albums of all time of course i didn't know that do you think it was I a bit of like a right it. place right time situation like oh, to, to, absolutely to, to release i mean Her- george harrison had uh, been you like, know, to release a, a, a relatively accessible indian music uh album in the summer of 67 like if it's going to do well, that's when it's going to do well. Right. And we're going to get into uh, Ravi Shankar. That's coming mm-hmm. up in a few, yeah. Uh, so we'll have a little bit more of a idea of, mm-hmm. of where that music was. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Indian music, it, it's I, I think everything kind of goes in waves of different, you know, uh, 
Obvi- obviously, the 80s was Africa <laughs> by Toto. <laughs> but there was there was a lot of like African uh, influences in pop music. Graceland. And I, I think, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think the in- Indian influence of the 60s is definitely showing here in the Summer of Love and this sort of like uh, melted out weirdness. Psychedel- psychedelic play, you know, is right there with Indian music. They share like a, some common ground. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, the sitar was so prevalent, and it's interesting there isn't even a sitar on, on this album. Uh, yeah, the, the, way, the way that uh, uh, Bridge Bouchon Cabra is playing that acoustic guitar in such a non... For, like, for the acoustic guitar being like a pretty traditional Western instrument, mm. his take on it is just like breaking all the... Uh, like the known boundaries of like what a guitar is supposed to sound like the, the licks and the tropes and yeah like, it's yeah. it's really cool and like i don't know if he's playing like a fretless guitar or if he's playing like a fretted guitar with a slide but it's as if like if if there are frets on that guitar neck he doesn't give a shit about it you know? yeah like, i saw that he he was he is playing a slide and i don't know about the frets but he is certainly hitting those those yeah. microtones in between the half steps, um, getting those very pronounced sort of minor mm-hmm. seconds, but they're even more minor. <laughs> yeah, and just like, you know, like, I, I, I used to play with a guitar player that played a lot of slide, and he would talk about how, you know, like, a guitar really, realistically, is never perfectly in tune, especially like when you're playing with a slide. So one of like the tricks of the trade is to always keep that slide moving. You know, like never hold the slide still because then you play that note and and you can hear any any intonality with it. But if you always keep that slide moving, just like a little bit of like vibrato on it, like you're always just hovering over where that note is and it's just adding texture. Same thing with opera singers. They waver around the note because most of them can't really sing very well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely for me. I mean, both on a personal taste level and then in terms of, you know, just in terms of it just being an influential album, um, it's an absolute include. Cool. I'll I'll go as a positive. Um, I learned a lot listening to this album that I hadn't realized before, like how much physicality you have to have to play a flute. I just didn't really realize that before this album. I I just didn't get it. Um, And just to to have it in there and have this, exactly, the only classical album we're going to probably listen to be part of this. Hmm. I'm I'm 
I'm gonna give this one a thumbs up. I don't think I'm gonna listen to it very often. Uh, I, I I think that it's culturally significant. I think that it's cool for for what it is in like within like the Venn diagram of like what these musicians are are doing. I, I think it's I think it's neat. If I ever see a cheap copy, I'd probably pick it up. You never know when I'm going to want to open a massage parlor. <laughs> so the, I was looking at the original press, the pressings are like 150 bucks. Are they? Like yeah. Oh, they've got it. They there, there's, yeah. there's a re-release which has your favorite uh, additional tracks on it, too. I don't so. want that, though, no. Yeah. I think that massage, 40 minutes that. is long enough. It is. It is. We think, Rob. Well, in some, <clears throat> in some ways, I'd say 40 minutes is too long. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, not my jam, so... Yeah. No. Oh, it, it, I'm glad that I'm the only one who's going to say that. So, yeah, I'm, I, I actually am probably going to go neutral. Just I, I like some of the elements and some of the elements I don't, and so I was kind of half and half. But very cool. I mean, very enjoyable listen. Um, well, nothing really struck out. But. I'm curious, other than those those repeated sort of root notes, what 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 don't you enjoy, or what what, what um, aspects are? I think. When it's calming and it's introspective, I tend to like it more than when it's busy and playful. Um, but there are some times where that the intricacies of of them playing it just didn't it didn't wow me. I guess. And for me to go positive, I mean, I, I usually put in my stipulation for myself that like if someone were to ask me. Oh, should I listen to that album? I would be like, you gotta listen for, for you know, if it's a positive sure. for me. And I, I would probably just be like, yeah, it's fine. You check it out mm -hmm. if it's kind of a neutral and uh, stay away if it, you know. Sure. And yeah, I'm just, just curious. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love those parts when like the, the Suntour and the Tabla are both picking up and like playing the 16th notes and locking in together on some, some patterns there. So, yeah. Just strutting through. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I could put it in the middle of a positive. Neutral, sure. I probably would, or, you know, maybe... Neutral plus? A, a, yeah, another day I might go positive, and another day I might, you know... It's it's just one of those albums that I'm just uh, not overwhelmed by. Y'all want some quick facts? Yes! Yeah, okay. tell me. Quick facts! Box facts. Uh, of the trio, uh, only Shiv Kumar was a musician since his younger age. He started the tabla at five. Uh, Bridge Busan Cabra was originally studying to be a geologist... Uh, and later saw a Hawaiian lap guitar that he liked and uh, asked his father if he could learn it. And his father said, okay, uh, but only if you learn to play classical uh, styles on it. And so he was the first to play ragas on a guitar. Huh. Uh, ben, you, ben, you mentioned the, the Hawaiian guitar a bit earlier. Didn't someone you? someone did. It, uh, maybe it was John. Or maybe it was John. Someone talking about like a Hawaiian... Off-camera like, discussion. I think it was like before we were recording, talking about whether or not it was like a, like a lap steel sure. or like a traditional guitar. And uh, Har Prasad, I thought, had the most interesting story. He's the, the flautist. He plays a, a basuri, which is kind of a, a big wooden traditional flute. Uh, he had to learn the flute in secret because his father wanted him to be a wrestler. Uh, even to the Heck point, yeah. even to the point of taking him to these uh, uh, Indian sort of like you know how you think about like a Shaolin monk going to the monastery and training in martial arts. It's the same thing in India. They have these things called ankaras where you'll go and you'll live and you'll train. And so he went and lived and trained as like a martial artist wrestler wow. and secretly studied the. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Dad! I'm gonna play flute. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so he credits his ability to sustain and, and, and bring power to the notes from his from martial arts training. Wrestling roots. Yeah, exactly. So it's like Hulk Hogan on the flute, just blast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, used to conform to your cultural norms, Dad. I want to see like some early show of this trio where they're playing some kind of like Bangladeshi dive bar or whatever, and you know, like there's I don't know, maybe Cat- their dive Cashmere. bars are like ours, like they're like uh, throwing bottles, throwing bottles, <laughs> and then you just put down his flute and just start suplexing people. <laughs> I'd watch that. I would totally watch that. <laughs> Let's make that happen. <laughs> Roadhouse Part 3. <laughs> Alright, next time we'll be talking about the Velvet Underground White Light, White Heat. Uh, thanks, y'all. <laughs>